I'm Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. Welcome to The Church News Podcast. We are taking you on a journey of connection as we discuss news and events of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with leaders, members, and others on The Church News team. We end each Church News Podcast by giving our guests the last word and the opportunity to answer the very important question, what do you know now? We hope each of you will also be able to answer the same question and say, I have just been listening to the Church News Podcast, and this is what I know now. This July 2021, the Church News is taking readers inside church headquarters in a series of articles highlighting the council system of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. These councils include the Council of the First Presidency and the Council of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, as well as executive councils that oversee the work of temples and family history, missionary, and priesthood and family. The series explores how Revelation guides church councils and how the principles discovered there can be applied to stakes, to wards, to families, and individual members around the world. And this podcast is actually the first in a two-part series on the council system. Uh, Next week's podcast will feature interviews with President Camille N. Johnson, primary general president, with President Bonnie H. Corden, Young Women General President, and with President Jean B. Bingham, Release Society General President. It's inspiring for all of us to hear these women talk about serving on the church's executive councils and what it means to actually be a woman participating in council systems at a general church level. In this episode of the Church News Podcast, Sydney Walker, church news reporter and digital editor, joins us to talk about the series We will feature quotes of church news interviews from President M. Russell Ballard, acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf, Elder David A. Bednar, and Elder Quentin L. Cook, all of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. They explain why the church is governed by councils and what it's like to serve in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and on some of the church's executive councils. Sydney, let's start today and talk about this series and what we were hoping to accomplish as we undertook this venture. I am so excited about this church news series, and I think what I hope readers take away from this is that they can see what our church leaders do every day on a general level as they meet you know, in the Quorum of the Twelve or with a missionary executive council or even in a presidency. Those principles that they follow, we can apply in our ward stakes and families. Um, and I also hope that we can learn a little bit more about the process of revelation that happens in councils and see that even our ward stakes and families can be revelatory experiences, just like these general meetings. One of the first interviews we did for this Church News Council series was with President M. Russell Ballard. Uh, So much of President Ballard's ministry as an apostle of Jesus Christ has been spent talking about and promoting the council system. And in this first interview, he actually explained to us how the church is governed by councils. Let's listen to that right now. You ought to really ask the question, why did God and Christ gather together in a council to determine whether or not to create the earth. We read that first real council story in Pearl of Great Price, and they call the term councils. The council system is very, very critical in the church, and the church is organized in the Melchizedek priesthood leadership councils with the council of the first presidency, We call it that. We call it the Quorum of the Twelve, but it's also the Council of the Twelve. 
even the 70s when they are meeting now and the seven presidents, they're in council. And interestingly, if you see the big picture, when we're in general conference, we're in council. Council is a time when people gather to try to understand and come to an agreement and set goals and objectives that will make a difference in their organization. This council system works in uh, industry. It works in homes. It works everywhere. It's not just the church where the council system is a, a reality. I love how President Ballard said in that quote that the council system is very, very critical in the church. We can see that President Ballard is a huge advocate of the council system as one who's spoken about councils and general conference and most recently about family councils. I'm an advocate of the council system. I wrote a book on it. I have preached it. I gave two general conference talks on it, trying to get the church membership to understand it. One of the things that I think is so interesting for people to remember as they look at the organization of the church is that at every level it's governed by councils. We have the Council of the First Presidency, we have the Quorum of the Twelve, and we have the Council of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve. And Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf actually talked about what happens when the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve meet together. It's a beautiful feeling of brotherhood. It's a feeling of unity and still cherishing the differences in personality and experiences. We don't represent countries or nationalities or professions. We represent the Lord, Jesus Christ, and his work. This unique approach with different personalities helps to be united in council. Because when you're um, in the Quorum of the Twelve and you start a, a new member, you feel, of course, pretty humble sitting there with other members of the Twelve who have been there for 20, 30, 40 years, right? But you learn very quickly that whenever you are part of this, you are part of it. You're on an equal level of ability and authority, I think it's so interesting that Elder Uchtdorf points out that when they sit on this council, the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve, they don't represent the different countries they come from or their professional backgrounds that they had. They each represent the Savior. Elder David A. Bednar gives us a little bit more insight into what it's like to sit into this council. What it's like is indescribable, but I'll do my best. Try to imagine a setting where you don't have to worry about how something you're saying will be taken. No one is trying to figure out, well, what's the agenda here? What's the hidden message? What is he really trying to say? You can say what needs to be said for the benefit of the work, and no one's going to wonder about all of the things you would normally consider in other secular kinds of settings. The only objective is to try to discern and apply the Lord's will and his timing on the things that are discussed and the things that are decided. To illustrate what he's talking about here, Elder Bednar shared a personal example of a time when he had a reservation about something that was being discussed in a council meeting. With one of the brethren, when I was really very new, something was presented, and I agreed with the concept, but I didn't think the timing made sense. And so I just said, 
you know, I have a, a concern about the timing. Now, this was presented by a very senior member of the Quorum of the Twelve, who could have looked at me and said, who do you think you are bringing that up at this point? But the response was remarkable. He says, what is it about the timing that concerns you? And I expressed my point of view. And he paused for a moment and he said, Dave, I haven't fully considered the timing in the light that you've just suggested. Let us take this back and we'll, we'll bring it back. Now, in that spirit of no one's going to talk just to hear themselves, they'll bring up an issue and it's trying to help this matter that we're considering be fully understood, fully vetted, fully considered. But it's remarkable to be able to interact in that way with men you honor, men you admire, men you love, and who have that same regard for you. I was touched that as so many people that we interviewed for this series talked about the experiences they had in councils, they seemed to all reflect that sentiment that Elder Bednar shared, that councils are a safe place, that every voice is wanted, every voice is looked to, every voice is needed. Elder Cook, when he was speaking about councils, said there's spiritual power that comes in those discussions. But it is so incredible how as there's a council discussion and as people bring things forth, then there is a focus and a spiritual power that comes into being. And suddenly, everything from our history to our doctrine, the needs of the saints, our being out in the world and meeting with the saints all the time comes into being. And the Holy Ghost blesses us with incredibly strong impressions and united. And then uh, often uh, in prayer and other times we have additional very strong spiritual experiences that are just very powerful and bless the effort. Another thing Elder Cook talked about in his interview with us is why we have executive councils in the church and what some of those executive councils are. So he talked about the Missionary Executive Council, the Priesthood and Family Executive Council, and the Temple and Family History Executive Council. These are three executive councils that work under the Quorum of the Twelve. Um, And Elder Cook gives us a little bit of background on these. They do get the Kirtland Temple built, and the Kirtland Temple is dedicated in the 109th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. And it's very interesting. He prays in that, that the house that Kirtland will be acceptable to the Lord. And then we have the 110th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. And April 3rd, 1836, it happens to be Easter. And I don't think that's accidental. It's during Passover. I don't think that's accidental. You have uh, Oliver and Joseph uh, praying, and then a vision was opened unto them, and uh, the Savior appeared, and the description of the Savior is just magnificent. And then he does accept the temple. And he says, let the hearts of your brethren rejoice, and let the hearts of all my people rejoice who have with their might built this house to my name. For behold, I have accepted this house and my name shall be here, and I will manifest myself to my people in mercy in this house. So just incredible. And then we have three ancient prophets come in vision one at a time. We have Moses appear first, and uh, he's committing the keys of the gathering of Israel. Then you have Elias appear, less well known than Moses, but Elias appears, 
and committed the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham. And finally, you have Elijah appear, and he brings the keys for the sealing power for temple work. And so you have these three keys that are restored. They're apostolic keys given to the leaders of the church. Because those are based on keys that are given, that's not just what's best for us today or tomorrow. Those are directed by the Lord and they're principles that we need to follow and to continue on with. The church is organized with three executive councils that are based on those three keys that were restored in the 110th section. You have the Missionary Executive Council, uh, which is sharing the gospel with the world. Then you have Elias, who's returned the keys to Abrahamic, and it refers also, in a sense, to the Abrahamic covenant. I've loved the fact that President Nelson has always referred to those keys as preparing the saints to meet God. That really is the priesthood and family executive council. And then you have Elijah Peer, and that's the temple and family history executive council. So missionary executive council, priesthood and family executive council, and temple and family history executive council. So you have all three of the uh, executive councils. And the quorum of the 12 is the quorum that really is responsible for all three. Sydney, I actually think it's so interesting that those councils are chaired by someone of great experience in the church. But, you know, as you think about each of those important works of the church and the mission of the church, Elder Uchtdorf explains that the purpose of councils is just to uh, further one great work. I think it is important to know that these councils, their purpose is really one work. We all work under the global church concept that the gospel is being brought to all people of the world, to all tongues, to all countries, to all nations, irrespective of uh, their geographic or political situation. And we do this through members and through missionaries. And the councils help to make the church operational uh, wherever they are, and to move forward the work in a very simple and straightforward way according to the doctrine we receive through scriptures, through revelation, and that's what it is. Elder Uchtdorf also gives us some insight into the Missionary Executive Council, some examples of topics that they've discussed and how that council works. Uh, We meet on a weekly basis and Often the the decisions are brought about by experiences we have in the field, in in the church, in branches, wards, stakes, and they're being brought up as needs where they are. And then by this we learn what the challenges are or what the needs are and then uh, counsel together in the Missionary Executive Council. And again, I see one work with the other councils together and then find ways how to bless the work, how to bless the people, and how to move the work forward. So, for instance, when we establish new missions, when we go to India, when we go to Russia to a certain area, when we go in Africa, create a new mission, or simpler decisions in technology. Just till recently, we had only 50% of our missionaries had smartphones. Then we realized the missionaries need smartphones. 
to be able to communicate with the people around them. So now 95% of them have smartphones. Or when you think about the impact on phone calls home by missionaries, yeah? it's a long-standing tradition that missionaries could only call once or twice a year home. And we, we learned this caused a lot of challenges. And we counsel about it because long-standing traditions sometimes are hard to change. So it takes counseling together. It takes the influence of the Spirit to say, let's move forward. Are we all united in this? Yes, we are. And then we move forward. It's between the councils. These are small little things, but they are more deep things like whom we call as mission president and companion, how many missionaries we send into a, a country. Uh, so many of those similar decisions which are being made and also by teaching, you know, when you think about it, we used to have a way to teach the gospel with rote uh, memory presentations, yeah? and, and then preach my gospel came, a process which was a, a pure revelatory process, but the revelations do not come as a strike of lightning. They come by counseling together. It is by learning Information brings inspiration. You have to collect information, and then you are in the position to receive revelation when you connect to the Spirit. And I actually love that Elder Bednar actually discussed topics that have also been discussed in the Temple and Family History Executive Council. Uh, let's listen to those. As we're having temples constructed now all over the world, and especially small temples, Many of the processes, many of the patterns in the temple that work very well in a large temple like uh, Salt Lake or Los Angeles cannot operate in some of the smaller temples. So without altering any of the covenants and the ordinances and the sacred matters that occur in the temple, how they're presented, the work that is done, and how it is done has to be adjusted in an ever more global church. So those who've been to the temple before the pandemic have noticed operational changes in the temple. Those are examples of things that had to be identified, brought forward to the presiding councils for review and consideration in council, and ultimately were approved to be incorporated into the, the operations of the temples. And Elder Cook gave us some insight into the Priesthood and Family Executive Council and some topics they discuss. The purpose is to prepare people to meet God, is to perfect the saints. And so under this council, you have all five of, of the organizations. You have the Relief Society and the Young Women and the Primary. You have the Young Men and the Sunday School, all five of them, those presidencies and their boards that are working under that, uh, which has responsibility for much that's going on in the church. It also is responsible for the curriculum that is uh, undertaken, and many of the other responsibilities. And I'm not trying to make it sound too grand, but if it isn't missionary work and it isn't temple and family history work, it's priesthood and family. So there's just a, a multitude of incredible people working on various things from curriculum to, to hymns. The scripture committee comes under priesthood and family. And uh, so the scriptures that are being developed and translated for new countries and new languages all over the world. And so it's a little bit hard to say exactly what it does. That's why I like President Nelson saying, 
it's preparing people to meet God. You got missionary work, you got temple work, and priesthood is preparing people to meet God. (laughs) Now, Sydney, you made reference to this earlier, but I found it fascinating that every time we learn something about councils, it seemed to be something that could be applied to me, to my personal life, to my responsibilities in the church, and to my family. And, you know, as we move through the things that we learned in this series of articles, one of the most important was how the principles of the council system apply to wards and stakes and families. And Elder Uchtdorf actually told us that that works because the Savior is at the center of it all. You know, our work is to fulfill what our Heavenly Father has said, that His work and goal is to bring to pass immortality and eternal life. And for whom? For us. And He provided for us a way, the plan of salvation. He provided for us a path with the two great commandments, and then He provided a way to make this all possible under the direction of the Savior Jesus Christ, because He sacrificed for us and made possible that the plan of salvation could function, that repentance is possible, that I, as imperfect person, can become perfect, that I can listen and learn and use the great sacrifice he has given to improve myself. Now, the Savior Jesus Christ is at the center of this work, of the plan of salvation, is the center of this gospel and church of Jesus Christ. He established it when he was on the earth, and he reestablished it now, and we are in the middle of it. So the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles were with the Savior. The Quorum of the Twelve Apostles today are with the Savior. So the Savior is in the center. His mission is for the church important, and the beauty is he is at the center and has the importance for each and every individual, whether they are Whatever age it is, married, single, child, adult, young adult, for everyone, the Savior is in the center. And that is true for the organization of the church. It has to be the Savior. Jesus Christ has to be in all our efforts, has to be in the center, not our own ego or our own thinking of organizational structures. The Savior, what would he want us to do? How can we accomplish his purpose, his mission, his work, his glory? That's what he gave us, and that's what we need to do. One thing that Elder Bednar really emphasized is that the power of counseling and counsel is revelation. So let's hear what he has to say about that. The power of counseling in counsel is revelation. In worldly or secular organizations, Much is made about participative decision-making. And the rationale is, well, we get a diversity of opinions, and then people are more invested in the conclusions or the decisions when they're made. This is not a secular pattern. Counseling in councils is about inviting, receiving, and recognizing revelation. So, for example, in the Temple and Family History Executive Council, revelation is scattered among the various members of the council. As an issue comes forward and we invite and hear counsel from everyone, 
Each contributes in a distinctive way. All of that is done under the presiding authority and the keys that are present in the room. But all of the revelation doesn't come through the one person who may hold the keys or have the assignment to direct the council. So whether it's in a family setting, a family council is a revelatory setting. In a ward council, it's not about planning activities, although that's done. It's a revelatory experience. And in the presiding councils of the church, the councils are settings for receiving revelation that will affect the members of the church all over the earth. Well, and then Elder Cook taught us all that it's important for whoever is at the head of each of these councils, who's presiding at these councils, to invite the input from everyone that's in the council. Counseling is is incredible. President Ballard may be the best person to lead councils of anybody that I have ever seen. I mean, different people have different gifts, but he's so warm and he's gracious and he lets everybody speak. And everybody feels like that uh, their nuggets that they come up with are at least appreciated and understood. It may not be the direction it goes, but they're appreciated and that builds unity in a, in a council. Council's a place to build unity. <laughs> And President Ballard reminded us of the overall purpose of councils, whether it's the Council of the First Presidency in Corma the Twelve, whether it's a ward council or a family council, the ultimate purpose is to help us come closer to the Savior. And as we end this church news podcast, I want to continue a tradition that we have in all of our church news podcasts, which is to give our guests the last word. And so today it seems appropriate that we end with President Ballard, who's dedicated so much of his life to this topic And he can answer the most important question for us, which is, what do I know now? And so we're going to close with President Ballard talking to all of us about what he has learned about how the council system actually is part of salvation and exaltation of Latter-day Saints. Well, that's simple for me. Uh, If I were teaching about ward councils, I would say, look, the ward council primarily exists for us to think through how we can draw the ward members to Jesus Christ. How can we get their hearts connected to his? How do we do that for the little children? How do we do that for the youngsters? How do we do that for the young adults? And how do we do that for the ages? The active and the less active and the non-member. How do we do it? Because that's our mission. The mission of the church and the mission of a, of a ward, the mission of a bishopric, the mission of a state presidency, of a mission president, of, of apostles, is to bring souls unto Christ, help prepare them to receive the ordinances and the covenants that are essential for eternal salvation. And so we're, we're, we're all in this, doing the same thing and trying to take our father's children from wherever they are and helping them on the journey, on the path. And President Nelson has been using the term the covenant path, and that's a good one, so that they will be able to qualify for all of the blessings the Lord has for his children in the temple. They can be endowed, they can be sealed. They can receive 
all the ordinances that are available on this side of the veil that are also efficacious on the other side of the veil. You have been listening to the Church News Podcast. I'm your host, Church News Editor Sarah Jane Weaver. I hope you have learned something today about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by peering with me through the Church News window. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. And if you enjoyed the messages we shared today, please make sure you share the podcast with others. Thanks to our guests, to my producer, Kellyanne Halverson, and others who make this podcast possible. Join us every week for a new episode. Find us on your favorite podcasting channel or with other news and updates about the church on thechurchnews.com. Mm-hmm.